Hello, and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. We are taking a change of pace after doing Pot Skeeterson last week. and for Pot the last Concreterson, <laughs> Pot Concreterson for the past two weeks. And we are going into some completely unfamiliar territory. And that territory is online dating. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in case anybody felt good about online dating, let us just completely dismantle any feelings of positivity or security because you are not safe online dating. Stay away. It's a, although it, remind, it reminds me of the um, like online stranger danger talks of back in the day. Stay away. Stay away. Don't give your address and social security number out. Right? Well, it's actually kind of <laughs> shocking. I mean, we're both very safe people. And for the fact that we've been able to go on these online dates – meet a stranger in a strange place and rely on the fact that they're not going to kill us is really impressive. And it's kind of crazy how people suspend their fears and just natural inclinations when they go on these online dates, because I'll clue you in ladies and germs. (laughs) If you're not single, we're desperate. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I've thought about too, though. Like you could go on a date meet up with them meet in a public place great let's say you even just do that three times yeah then after that like three times meeting someone and then if you're gonna go into one of your apartments or whatever like that's pretty insane if you think about it you don't know them no not after three times i mean think about lacey peterson she didn't know scott after years of marriage yeah exactly so how are you supposed to know your online date after three dates it is just not possible and very scary and it makes sense why things like today's story happen yeah it's risky i mean it really is real risky and we've each had our own little weirdnesses with online dating and it's pretty awful and it's so incredibly nerve-wracking and you know i say that with the knowledge that nobody I've ever been on an online date with has ever been mean or rude Mm -hmm. or unkind in any fashion. They've all been very, very nice people. But I have to say, as we've gotten older and as the pool has considerably narrowed, the caliber of these people has just gone I'm not going to say down, (laughs) but it's gone somewhere real different. It's not even on the chart anymore. Yeah, it's just, things are odd. (laughs) I think people are odder than ever now after the pandemic. Oh, true. And they just don't have their wits about them anymore people are really freaking weird now and i don't know beware buyer beware altered genetics like alter your dna like they're weird now from the pandemic it feels like it my gosh and this story is not an exception to that rule no this this is classic dating online in your 30s ain't a fun time not even close or at least the pool of 30 year olds i guess I exactly say. yeah because our our victim today unfortunately was only 23 mm-hmm. when she passed but anyway today we're talking about a tinder murderer not to be confused with the tinder swindler a very no. popular documentary on netflix right now but we are centering our story today around a young lady lauren smith fields who went on a date from an online dating site and was murdered Mm -hmm. apparently and um, we don't know if it was by her date in fact or if it was by somebody else 
But regardless, it's a really sad, creepy story. And it also didn't get nearly enough airtime. No. And it just, it should, because it's really important that young women our age and younger have the awareness to know I'm putting certain things into place so that I'm safe on these dates. Right. Right. It's it's scary. It is. I mean, again, like we just said, you don't really know these people and you put a lot of trust in them really soon. Exactly. So it's pretty horrifying. But anyway, that's the attitude with which we want you to go into today's story. So our story takes place in December 2021 in Bridgeport, Connecticut, so not too long ago here. And on December 9th, Lauren Smith-Fields, who is a 23-year-old black female, connects with Matthew LaFontaine. Spelled like LaFontaine, so... (laughs) But hopefully that's not how he actually pronounces it. Yeah, well, that would be a a dead giveaway. But he is a 37-year-old white male, and the two connected on Bumble. Which is one of the classic, not only is Bumble one of the classic um, apps that people use to connect with others for free, but it's also touts itself as being very safe and very feminist. And they have this whole image where the woman reaches out first, the man can't reach out first, so the woman has to make the first move. And because of that, they think it's this kind of forward-thinking app where the woman is in the driver's seat and can make the first move. Now, I don't know what the women do if this is a same-sex couple. And if it's two women, who reaches out first? And likewise with two dudes. Like, what the hell do you do then? But I guess they didn't think of that one. Yeah, they didn't think that far ahead there. Right? But, you know, so they have this whole platform. They claim that it's so forward-thinking and progressive and great for women. But I personally was always kind of bummed out by that model and hated being the one to reach out first. I got to say, too, I'm not the biggest fan. I I think it puts more pressure, too, and more just like, I don't know. I I don't like the idea. No, I'm not a big fan either. So, But anyway, it's ironic that this meeting happened on Bumble because it is said to be a female-friendly website. Yeah, wasn't the case, though. So... We moved to December 11th, um, kind of into the morning then of December 12th. So this all happens pretty quickly. They had connected, and then Matthew uh, goes over to Lauren's apartment. She invites him over, and it looks like they're just having a good time. So they started taking shots of tequila. And I do want to remind you, all of this is now according to Matthew. This is his story of kind of how the night went, what happened. And uh, so they're taking shots of tequila, and he said that Lauren suddenly became ill, ran to the bathroom, and vomited. Somehow, oh, this this sounds awful to me, she recovered. Yeah, this is the classic boot and rally, ladies and germs. You boot, and then you come right back to (laughs) the party. You rally. (laughs) And that's exactly what Lauren is claimed to have done. Yeah, she recovered. They continued drinking tequila with mixers, playing games, eating food. And watching a movie. Meanwhile, this sounds like a lively ass night. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. People like talk about a little First house meeting, party, like, party of on. two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So at some point, though, again, this is according according to Matthew. Lauren left the apartment to collect something from her brother who was outside, and then she apparently came back in and immediately spent ten to fifteen minutes in the bathroom. So. I think it's kind of obvious here he's kind of insinuating that, oh, you know, her brother probably gave her some drug or something like that. She went into the bathroom to take it. He doesn't overtly say that, but I think that's kind of what the hint is there. 
And eventually she fell asleep on the couch. And okay, this feels weird to me. He then carried her to the bed and fell asleep next to her. First time meeting her. Mm, I don't I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I don't feel too good about that one either. That's sort of, I don't know, a little suspicious. Yeah. Like or sus, as the kids say. Oh, there we go. If, if he's picking her up and carrying her to bed and just sleeping next to her in bed, mm, I don't know. I don't know. Right. And it's a lot that she just passed out yeah. and that she was puking. I don't know. Like, you wouldn't be worried about that and say, hey, let's call it a night. Also, I just, is that all he really did was carry her to bed and sleep Yeah, that next sounds to her? like the PG version of what happened. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. So on December 12th, Matthew says he woke up at 3 a.m. to go to the bathroom and he could hear Lauren snoring. And when he woke up again at 6.30 a.m., he saw Lauren lying on her right side. She had stopped breathing and she had blood coming out of her nostril onto the bed. At that time, mm-hmm. he called the police, and he was apparently really frantic on 911. And he was still frantic when the police arrived, and he let them in. And the cops found Lauren laying on her back on the floor with dried blood in and around her nostril. So that's what's weird is now, presumably, Matthew must have moved Lauren then from the bed right. where he found her laying with the blood coming out of her nose to the floor because that's where she was when the cops came in yeah and like i could see you know if he was instructed maybe to move her to the floor to perform cpr because it would be on a hard putting her body on a hard surface but that wasn't noted anywhere in you know the articles that we found so to me i made it seem like it was him yeah well and it it made it seem like he did it for no reason so i don't know just a little weird yeah yeah And unfortunately, Lauren was pronounced dead at the scene and medics confirmed that she had been dead for at least an hour or more. So this is just really sad and scary that this one night of partying and fun went so badly. Yeah. So one like huge issue in this case is the fact that the family was not notified and wasn't involved. And it's just a huge instance to me of mishandling. Oh, yeah. And just one of many. Um, And the police did not notify the family, and they found out the next day after visiting Lauren's apartment and finding a note from the landlord on the door that said, if anyone is looking for Lauren, call me. Like, how grisly is that? And so, like... I don't even have a cavalier. Yeah. Just, okay. Like, you know, she's another body. Like, imper- like yeah, I don't know. She's not, a, she's not a person. Yeah. Just like, hey, if anybody's looking for this person, give yeah. me a buzz. Not like mm. she passed, you know, trying to find the family because obviously she has one. She's a 23-year-old girl. Yeah. And so sad. Her mom had been calling because Christmas dinner was supposed to be at Lauren's house that year. So she had a mother. Her mother was very concerned about her and was trying to get in touch and couldn't for obvious reasons. And the cops didn't notify her family. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I just I cannot believe that. That's, you know, starting off not on a good foot. So kind of after that, nothing really happened for quite a bit. And then on January 24th, so over a month and a half later, um, the Connecticut chief medical examiner ruled her death an accident and said that she had died from acute intoxication due to the combined effects of fentanyl, promethazine, hydroxyzine, and alcohol. Yikes. So quite a few things in her system 
and you know we knew they were partying kind of drinking everything that night at least according to Matthew's story yeah and he obviously left out the fentanyl and the really the baddies that were in her system but you know there was that moment where Lauren was said to have left the apartment to retrieve something from her brother outside maybe that something was one or some of these drugs yeah that's I mean that's the thing that's so hard with this case too is you really don't know what's going on what's true because all we really have is his story now. Right, exactly. Yeah. So on the 25th, the next day, immediately after, you know, the medical examiner ruled on the cause of death, the Bridgeport Police Department opened a criminal investigation into Lauren's passing. Likewise, Mayor Joe Ganim also launched an internal investigation into the police department's handling of the case. And wow, could have done this earlier, said the city would revisit policies for family death notifications. Like, duh. Seems a little important. I hope so. Yeah. My goodness. Like, these family members deserved to know. This is a person who mattered to people. Like, you can't just brush it off. So I'm glad they decided to revisit that policy. So... The family was obviously furious with how long it took um, to look into this case as a criminal matter and that LaFontaine was never named even a person of interest. Like, how? You know, even if it was completely not his fault, how do you just let him off the hook when he was the last person who was ever with her while she was alive? Yeah, that's what I don't get is how they didn't examine this. Like, she died under suspicious circumstances, whether or not, you know, they find out it's drug-related, whatever, like, the whole thing is suspicious. So Exactly. I, and know. then wouldn't you even look into him? Let's say you're 100% sure that the fentanyl and the other drugs and alcohol were what caused her demise. Wouldn't you still look into things to make sure that those um that the ingestion of those drugs and the alcohol wasn't coerced oh, by yeah. Mr. LaFontaine? Absolutely. Like hello, yeah. he was the only other person there. Exactly. So come on. Yeah. And so the family claimed that the police failed to collect numerous items of evidence in Lauren's apartment, including really important items like a condom and a sedative pill. Come on now. Like, these are big deal pieces of evidence, hot ticket items, and how did they leave them behind? Yeah. And they would have been really handy in an investigation, I'm sure. And this whole case happened around the same time as Gabby Petito went missing, And that was getting just national crazy attention. We all remember what that was like. In fact, we covered it. We did. And the family of Lauren claimed that because she was black and the man, her potential assailant, was white, it wasn't getting any attention and it wasn't getting taken seriously by the police, which frankly, I agree. Yeah. Like, where's the difference? Hello? Yeah. I mean, and... If you could see pictures of this girl, not that it matters, not that looks matter, but she was a beautiful girl. She looked like she could have been a model. She really did. She was absolutely stunning and just like very, very sweet looking. Somebody that I think the American people really could have gotten behind. And the fact that it just, her story was not distributed. Nobody knows it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so sad. And she should be a household name just like Gabby Petito. Exactly. Exactly. So the next part we're going to get into, and I want to just say up front, this is a disclaimer that these are the claims from the family and their attorney, but it goes, the case kind of goes a little deeper. They're claiming that Matthew and his family had deep connections to the police, including one of the officers who arrived on the scene that day. 
And this is what's kind of interesting to me. After the fact, two police officers involved in the investigation had been put on administrative leave. Not great. So something's there. The family's attorney, so this is again Lauren's family, claims that one of the officers that was put on leave had actually helped to create a cover-up for Matthew in the whole situation, which, I mean, we're looking back to these items of evidence that weren't collected. It does make you wonder. It sure does. And especially uh, the connection is just really scary. And you wonder, did they drop the ball on purpose? Or if they just dropped the ball, what was going on there? Because they did get rid of these two officers and one of them was part of this investigation. So exactly. what the hell's going on with this police department? And uh, it just seems like every police department has corruption in it. And I don't know. This one's no exception. Yeah, just it just takes some time to show it in a certain case. And sadly, it seems like this is that case for some of these officers. Right. So getting into kind of the current status of what's going on, there's really not much information that's more recent than a few months ago. Which I think is really sad. I mean, it goes to kind of what the family's saying and kind of we're finding that as well. Exactly. And on Lauren's 24th birthday, hundreds of people marched in Bridgeport demanding justice and calling out the police for their lackluster investigation, which is good. I'm glad that all those people could rally against how crappy this investigation was in this police department. But, like, my gosh, it shouldn't take that. No. And, of course, you know, somebody from Bumble spoke out, a spokesperson, and said that they were engaged with law enforcement and trying to keep Bumble a safe place, all of that good stuff. And according to the Rolling Stone, Lauren's family is planning to sue the city in this whole action um, just for the mishandling of the case and for everything that went on. And Lauren's father told a local news station that he had paid for a second autopsy himself because he was uncomfortable with the way the case was being handled, which, oh my gosh, talk about like Ugh. unresolved and just the a fact horrible that you have to feeling do that too, though, like, yeah, that you and that you have to be the one who's urging things to reopen and for a deeper investigation, like. Come on, it shouldn't come from the father of the victim no. who's already grieving and probably not in his right mind, frankly. You know, it shouldn't have to be his responsibility to no, reopen No, and their own money and everything to pay for this. It just shouldn't be the way. No, not at all. And Matthew denies wrongdoing, and he hasn't been arrested, charged, or publicly accused at all in the death, which... Again, jury's out as to whether he did anything or had played any part in this death. But my gosh, I mean... It wasn't investigated properly, That, at the very least. Exactly. And like, again, even if he was kind of taking part in this really risky, dangerous behavior, shouldn't he have known more? Shouldn't he have been... Looked at a little looked harder. Looked at a little closer. Like, exactly. Like when you are the last person with someone. Yeah. And it's a 23-year-old girl. Like, come on. Yep. So when we were looking into this, we also found, you know, I, I think we're going to see more of this, but we found some other cases that had to do with people meeting on Tinder or other similar sites and bad things happening. And it's not even just in the last couple of years. I mean, well, I guess it's in the last five years. So maybe it is the last couple of years. But <laughs> um, this first one that I found was in 2017 in Nebraska. And this one, 
is interesting. It, it reminds me a bit of Nexium. It's got some weird stuff going on in here. So Sydney Loof was a 24-year-old cashier at a Menard store in Lincoln, Nebraska. And again, through lovely Tinder, she met Bailey Boswell. Sounds like a made-up name, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Who was around 23 at the time. So they shared message messages with one another for nearly a week after meeting on Tinder. And Boswell then went and picked up Loof, which again... This, that type of stuff makes me nervous. Like, me too. Anything ugh. where you're in somebody else's vehicle, in someone else's space, you don't know what you're going to get, where you're going. Like, And now, these. Uh, we should make a note that these are both women, Bailey and Sydney. Um, but still, I mean, yeah, even I, without the idea that a man is so much bigger than a woman a lot of the time and could overpower her, it's still scary. It's still a stranger, and you don't know. I mean, there's some big ladies out there, myself included. <laughs> so you could come across somebody who could really take you down. Well, and just getting in their car, too. You know, yeah. and they're kind of in, in control. control. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> so the two of them drove around, and this this is a sad and scary part of it to me. So drove around, smoked some weed, got to know each other, and this was just normal, fine, Um Boswell dropped Loof off and, you know, all seemed fine. Great. We got to know each other. Then shortly after this, she asked Loof for another date. And, you know, it really helped her, obviously, to put her guard down. And I met this person. We drove around. She seems great. Like, okay, yeah, let's do it again. So Boswell picked her up this time. However, this time she took her to the apartment that she shared with her 49-year-old boyfriend. Yikes. Aubrey Trail. Which, horrifying. Like, what yeah. is stopping this from happening Ugh. all the time? I know. Ugh, yeah. I can already tell where this is going. Yeah, well, it gets weird, though. Um, so, Trail, again, this is the boyfriend, claimed that Loof was brought to his apartment by Boswell because she he wanted to recruit her into his cult. Yikes. Didn't think it was going to take mm-hmm. that kind of a turn. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Um, and so it came out later that Trail actually claimed to be a mind-reading vampire with a coven of a dozen witches. And he claimed he would gain powers by killing people. Good times. Three other women actually came forward later describing their encounters with both Boswell and Trail and pretty much you know, provided similar stories to this whole cult type of thing, saying that they had some bizarre rules, including including not wearing clothes in the apartment. And they also discussed killing a lot. So killing, torture, witchcraft, all of that type of stuff. Yikes. And all of these women, these three women, met Boswell again on Tinder. So, ooh. And no. it's such a um, Ghislaine Maxwell yes. vibe. Because obviously they put this Bailey Boswell out there, she seems safe enough, you know, and again, it's a woman. You right. feel a little bit of a higher sense of security because she's, women feel less threatening a lot of the time, not to be sexist, but there it is. Yeah. And she lures them in to this 49-year-old cult member. Yeah. And I think he was a big guy, too. If Like, if you were to look up pictures, too, just scary. Like, seeing the, the difference between Boswell and then Trail, the, the boyfriend, like, you can see why you would trust Boswell. She's kind of a petite-looking woman, um, but it's that scary thing. Like, you're saying the Ghislaine here, luring him in, 
and there's someone much scarier that she's bringing them to. Yeah, into the lion's den kind of thing. Exactly. So, um, and again, we're saying here this is based off of Trail and Boswell's kind of recounting of this, but apparently after they brought Loof to the apartment, Trail said that Loof agreed to be part of a sexual fantasy with Trail and two other women. He said that Boswell was passed out at the time from drugs and that she was in the other room. So I'd like to know who these other two women are, but okay. Right, exactly. Like, who are these people yeah. that agree to do this? And Coven, did they really agree? Right, right, exactly. So he said that he then realized that he had to kill Loof because he feared that she would alert authorities about the lifestyle that he was living with Boswell. Okay, Yikes. some some really clear thinking here. Yeah, great one. Mm. So he, sorry. So he, um, so he strangled her to death, and he later said that you know tried to play this off. Oh, it was a sex fantasy gone wrong. The, the choking game. The choking game. <laughs> of course. Our parents warned us about after Doctor Phil. Right. Back exactly. In the day, <laughs> you know. But there's no way. Like, please, I'm sorry. I just. I don't think that there's any amount of like fantasy. Now, granted, I mean, being a loser, yeah, <laughs> you know, I would never even remotely think about these Playing disgusting choking games. Exactly. <laughs> play, I'm not gonna play the choking don't game, worry, Mom. or Chubby Bunny. Don't worry. I have never heard of those games before. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I just can't see if you're really both um, participating and consenting partners that it could escalate to that degree and become a full-blown death. Well, and then given with the other, you know, stories from these other women and the bizarre cult stuff, I'm sorry. It's pretty obvious what's going on. Right. Well, and here's the weirdest part. How about the fact that she was found in a field? Oh, yeah. Dismembered. Ugh. So, okay, I get that, like, maybe it was you a sex how, fantasy gone yeah, wrong. you know how choking turns into dismemberment. <laughs> <laughs> Squeeze too hard and your limbs pop off. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> argument that weed is a gateway drug. Oh, like, yeah, she's yeah. smoking weed and then the next day it was fentanyl. Like, right. no, okay. Yeah, well, his craziness did not end. So, thankfully, both he and Boswell were convicted of first-degree murder, criminal conspiracy to commit murder, and improper disposal of human remains. Yuck. Yeah, I'd say so. Ugh. In, and this was in November of 2017. So Boswell got life in prison, and Trail got the death sentence. Thank God. Thank God. Put him away. Yeah, but he didn't go out without some craziness. In a later trial, he tried to slit his own throat <laughs> in the courtroom. Great. So a witness had taken the stand, and... Trail stood up, started trying to slit his own throat while yelling that Boswell was innocent. Oh, you're really going to convince him there. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Because you seem like a totally normal, sane person. So Reliable. I'm really going to tape your, take your word for it here. It's surprising that more people don't use young women in the same way that Trail used Boswell to lure someone in. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just... It's kind of such a given. And I hope nobody gets an idea from this podcast. Oh, no. But like... Ugh, it's just such a sad thing because you're out here just trying to meet someone. Oh my God, it's hard. Life's hard enough. Life's if you're on hard this enough, okay? If you're on these websites, you're on these apps, you know things have not gone according to plan, okay? Like, if you are out here, things are already tough. And then. Don't want to have to risk your life for it. On top of it. Like, come on. Yeah. So, really sad. And then. 
we have this other case, a 2018 case in New York. This is the case of Daniel Drayton, and he raped and strangled Samantha Stewart. Now, these names also sound made up. Um, in, <laughs> they do. Hey, both alliteration, too. That's interesting. Right? My gosh. In, and this happened in 2018, according to prosecutors. He was free on bail at the time because of a paperwork mix-up. Horrifying. And at the same at the time of Miss Stewart's death in July 2018, Mr. Drayton was free on a $2,000 bail while awaiting trial in an unrelated case in my favorite county on earth, Nassau County, New York. And he had been charged there earlier that year with choking a former girlfriend after she tried to end their relationship. And, I mean, come on. Sounds like a really reasonable guy who totally should have been free walking on the streets. Mm -hmm. Not. We might want to get our system down a little more so that this mistake doesn't happen. Exactly. Like, hello. Oh, my God. It's so embarrassing. So this lovely Drayton fellow killed Samantha Stewart, who was a 29-year-old nurse, two weeks after he was released. I so mean, he gets out God. and goes for it. He, like. Yeah, he didn't waste any time. Ugh. My God. And he met her on Tinder, and they met up at her apartment. Now, word to the wise people. I mean, if you can put off an apartment meeting or a meeting, you know, that involves a car yeah. for a little while until you get to know somebody a little bit better and know that they're not a cold-blooded killer, that's probably for the goddamn best. Yeah, let's let's stick to those um, public meetup spaces. Exactly. Lots of people around. Yeah, well lit, lots yeah. of people and Drayton allegedly beat up and strangled the 29-year-old nurse and then engaged in sexual oh. conduct, wait for it, with the dead body. And Awful. this is all according to the prosecutors. So gross. Terrible. And just like, these are the kinds of people that are out here, people. So like, check on your single friends because they yes. are out here just trying to find love. And this is what we have to deal yeah, this, with. This is what you're, you're swiping through a cesspool there. Like. You are swiping through shit left yeah. and right. So Stewart's brother found her body the next day. The poor thing wrapped in a blanket on her bedroom floor. How terrible. How awful. And what a terrible scene for a brother to have to walk oh into. My God. And Mr. Drayton fled to Los Angeles with Samantha's driver's license and used her credit card to Awful. pay for airfare. Talk about adding insult to injury. Yeah, but also stupid. I mean, thank God. But also, yeah, that. what a dumbass. Yeah. So easy to track. So from there, New York police detectives found Mr. Drayton. He wasn't the but, best at but hiding. this. <laughs> but hold for this one. They found him a week later in North Hollywood where members of a fugitive task force discovered him wait for it <laughs> holding a woman Good captive God. these people like can't even help themselves no. and it's like if you just laid low you probably would have gotten away with it but yeah. you couldn't and he had been held in los angeles since then on rape charges filed there before being extradited to new york so just a freaking disaster the people out here are swine and it's a miracle that anybody even tries to online date these days. It really is. And I think it's just kind of a reminder, like, definitely put some safe holds in place out there. Yeah. Don't, don't you know, don't go meet up in someone's apartment, your apartment, in cars. And I don't know, but it's just hard because 
how do you wade through all of this stuff? It's not like people need a background check to be on Tinder or Bumble or something. Exactly. And I wonder like what all they can require for a free site like that. Like I bet that the match.coms of the world and the eHarmonies of the world maybe have a little bit of a background check. But even then, I feel like they probably don't because those people deserve love too in their view probably i mean i don't think they do like if you're out here strangling people and chopping them up and leaving them in a field then you're probably like good to be alone Mm -hmm. but like i don't know like i wonder how thorough those services are about filtering people out and if paying helps yeah i i still don't think it really it's not like they can do much it's not like you're hiring them for a job or something where you're going to need to know all their background information. I think it's, I don't know, it really kind of, it makes a good case for having some type of background check system that you can run someone's name through or something, or having a connection with someone, you know, in law enforcement or something that could run these names. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Well, I remember, you know, I used to have access to LexisNexis, which is a legal search engine. And it's great because you can do a background search. No, it's awesome. On anybody. I mean, when we were in law school, we had that for free. Yeah. And it, I mean, for free with the cost of admission. And you could really find out a lot about somebody if you were going to go on a date with them and mm-hmm. you didn't know them at all. Yeah. So if you're looking for love, best of luck to you out there. <laughs> we feel your pain. Okay, go ahead. Um, so just some tips for some safe online dating. A lot of this might seem obvious, but sometimes it helps to just have these different, you know, ideas pointed out so that you have them in the back of your mind. Obviously, you're going to want to block and report suspicious users. You can totally block and report another user if you feel that their profile is suspicious or if they've acted inappropriately towards you. And I know that like especially Bumble, but all of the free online dating sites they want to keep their platform safe for everybody and they want everyone to feel as comfortable as possible. So all of them seem to have tools for reporting creepy profiles and creepy behavior. And a lot of the time you can do this anonymously before or after you've matched. So for people who are worried that, Oh, I don't want to report them because it's going to come back to me. It really probably won't because a lot of the time they do have anonymous tools. I think that's probably one of the benefits of it being such an anonymous site, like such an honor system site, you know, where it's like, I'm saying I really am this person. There's a a lot of anonymity on there that, you know, is helpful, at least in that case. Very true. And this is just going to be a list that offers a few different examples of some common stories or suspicious behaviors that scammers might have used or may use to build trust and sympathy so they can manipulate you into thinking that they're one person and when they're really another. Ooh, this is good. Yeah, this is a good one. So first of all, a person who asks for financial assistance in any way, often because of a sudden personal crisis. Now, this might seem obvious, but, but the Tinder swindler. Tinder swindler. He totally did that. And because he took women on these lavish, incredible dates with yeah. a private jet, this, that, the third, they felt emboldened like, oh, my God, I've got to help this guy. He loves me. People will do a lot of things if they think that someone loves them. So just be wary of that. Secondly, if people claim that they're from the United States, but that they're currently living, working, or traveling abroad. Big no-no because, you know, there's just, there's stuff there. That's also a Tinder swindler moment. Yeah. 
claims to be recently widowed with children. <clears throat> well, kind of Scott Peterson. Right. Definitely a pot Skeeterson vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, if they disappear suddenly from the site and then reappear under Ooh. a different name. Ooh. Obvious. Seems obvious. But be on the lookout, right? I don't know. I feel like every time I've been on those sites years apart, I'll see a lot of the same people. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, is somebody just using this person's face or these photos to create a fake profile and draw people in? Absolutely. Yeah. Then people who give vague answers to specific questions. So what neighborhood affiliate do you live in? Um, The West one. <laughs> right? <laughs> like either they're lost in the world like I am or they're skirting some mm-hmm. specific answers. If they're overly complimentary and romantic too Ooh. early in your communication. And that's kind of getting into like love bombing and yeah. narcissism where the narcissist will just like lure you into thinking that they really love you so much and then they'll just rip it all away from you or you know, they'll do it to build up your confidence in them and then manipulate you. Yeah, exactly. Then someone who pressures you to provide your phone number or talk outside the dating app or site too soon. Now, obviously, uh, these sites are awkward as all get out to communicate on. A lot of the time they don't properly notify you when you've gotten a message. Sometimes they'll send duplicate messages or the site will just kind of be glitchy in general. But if somebody's urging you to provide your phone number, and I think the caveat to this or the asterisk to this is Snapchat. Oh, um, a lot one. of people yeah. will immediately get on and start urging someone for their Ooh, snap. Yeah, obviously to get pictures and stuff or like your that. location, possibly right? if you don't know how to turn off your location. Exactly. So that can be scary. So unless you feel comfortable, fully comfortable, and that it's time to move communications off the app and into your text conversations or phone conversations, it's probably not a good idea to give that information early on. Somebody who requests your home or work address under the guise of sending flowers or gifts. I had this happen to me once and it was so creepy. This guy was, you know, I was chatting with this guy. I told him where I work and he made a comment about, Oh, well, I just walked past your office. Oh, no. Hadn't told him where the office was located, but told him, you know, the company that I work for. And he was correct and said exactly where it was. It really made me nauseous. So don't even tell them what your job is or what specifically your workplace is without knowing who this person really is. Yeah. If somebody tells inconsistent or grandiose stories... Again, probably trying to swindle you into thinking that they're some big deal person or they're just a liar. Yeah, you don't want either. Right? Somebody who claims to have a high level of education, this is one of my favorite ones, but uses disjointed language and grammar. Um, It could just be a sign you're an idiot, (laughs) but highly educated, but but more likely they're just straight up lying about their education. Yeah. So, and... They also, there's a great little list here of examples of user behavior that can be reported. And so they're as follows. One, somebody who requests financial assistance. Two, somebody who requests photographs. Three, is a minor. Four, sends harassing or offensive messages. Five, attempts to threaten or intimidate you in any way. Um, six, seems to have created a fake profile. 
and seven tries to sell you products or services. So just some things to keep in mind. Again, a lot of these seem obvious, but the fact of the matter is people get swindled every day by behaviors like this, even though they claim to, you know, that these things are so obvious when it's happening to you, sometimes it can catch you off guard. So it's helpful to have a little list handy of, okay, you know, here's the things I should look out for. And here are the reasons that I can report someone. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember too, like, again, thinking of the Tinder swindler, these things on the surface seem pretty straightforward. Like, oh, they ask you for money or they ask, you know, for for your address or something like that but I think the tinder swindler goes to show you that it's not always so straightforward like that like you could classify that under asking for money and stuff like that but the details behind that whole story and leading up to it are so different than you would you know everybody knows duh I'm not gonna give somebody money but when the situation is so much bigger you know than just somebody straight out asking you for money it's easy to see that you know you can be tricked yeah Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) 